1: Phil Mackey, Judd (sighs) Zolgad. Oh, hey, guys. (laughs) Mackey and Judd. You okay? (laughs) On 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackey and Judd.
2: Do
0: you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions? What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance.
1: All right, Dave Harrigan's got some questions. Doogie's coming in here in about a half hour to uh, finish off our Friday with a scoop session. Inside information about local sports teams. What are you doing over there, Judd? Nothing. I'm just preparing for the question segment. I was. <clears throat> I like to stretch before I do that. I love when Judd does like the awkward Elaine dance from Seinfeld, where like his that tongue is out. His
0: chair. Yeah, I was stretching. I was getting ready, no, for, the, I was getting ready for the all important questions because <laughs> I was told there could be three good you were questions. Kind of dancing, and then you are also
2: conducting the band. Yeah. What's was, wrong with that? It was just weird. It wasn't stretching. Don't call it stretching. You were being a goofball, and that's fine. No, I
0: felt like I was stretching. Just own it, Judd. I felt like I was stretching. All right, what are the questions? Yeah, can we just get to questions, please? This is becoming annoying. This is part of the thing that drives me crazy about the show. Well, we'll get to that, actually, in question number
2: two. But question number one is about the guy who didn't do so well on the mound again last night, Jose Barrios. It's a string of a few stinkers now, or at least moderately bad outings ever since the Puerto Rico gem he threw against the Indians. You have a chance to go one-on-one. Let's say you're in the shoes of Paul Molitor or Galvin Alston, whoever it is from that twins dugout. And you can go one-on-one in a room with Jose Brios, sit him down and just talk to the young man. Just talk to the young man to try to figure out why it's so up and down, why he can be so dominant and yet come out and give up bombs and a lot of hits to the angel or the the angels last night. Yep. What is the message you have to Jose Barrios and how sternly? Do you deliver it?
0: So, in his first four starts, he had a 1.63 ERA. And Thank in the you, past four, it's been 8.84. <laughs> My California math tells me 8.84 Where is, is he not from good. And, and tell uh, us more from, biographical uh, information. He's 6'2. Uh, you know, here's what I would tell how him. How many major league starts? Here's what I would at the major league level a Rawlings Gold Glove, too. You are here by a circle. You are. Uh, here's what I would tell him, and it'd be very simple. I would say, Jose, you've got fantastic stuff. And I, I know. Let's
1: say, Jose, can you see how great your stuff is? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> you really just do that? <laughs> just keep continuing.
0: I would tell him, young man, you know, I know that your curveball is inconsistent, and there's times when you're feeling really good and you've got it, and there's times that you don't. And when you don't, you're going to have to fight through it and struggle through it. But all that being said, I want you to understand one thing very clearly, Jose, and that's this is not always on you. You, don't, you, you might someday be the ace of this staff. And God knows you got good stuff. But I think the most important thing that you have to keep in mind is we are developing a pitching staff here that's become pretty good. And so when you go out, this is not all on you. You are a member of this staff. And and we don't need to consider you an ace. We don't need to consider you even the top guy. What we need you to do is to relax and understand that you have the ability to be very effective. But I feel, and this is where... Where the Cleveland start in in Puerto Rico, to me, was so impressive and where it's gone backwards. I feel like there's a lot of times that you see him pitching and he's just pressing and he's trying so hard and it's almost like he's saying, well, I'm the ace and I've got to do this and I've always been the best and and then it falls apart. So I would make it very clear to him that you are part, part of a staff, you're very good, you got great stuff, but you don't need to feel like if you lose, it's just all, it's done. And you don't need to put this pressure that he has seemed to put on himself since he he came up here the first time in what 2016 or so. You don't need to consistently put that much pressure on yourself.
1: Yeah, I would say my answer is a little bit shorter in that I don't think his recent struggles are as much about him losing confidence. Or I mean, there's probably some of that. But in in case there's a, a smidge portion of that, throw the ball over the plate. It doesn't. If you give up a home run, listen. The best pitchers in baseball are going to give up 15 or 20 home runs. You're going to give up home runs. Burp Levin's a Hall of Famer. That dude gave up more home runs than like any pitcher ever. 50 right, fifty in one year. Correct. So it's yeah. you're going to give up loud contact. You're going to give up. Guys are swinging for the fences more than ever. Don't sweat it. But I almost feel like the main reason for his struggles the last couple times out, especially last night, whatever he's the, the, his curveball and his off speed stuff are not moving the same as they were earlier in the year. I don't know if he can't get a grip on the ball. Sometimes you just don't have your stuff. So if he's not equipped with a second and a third pitch that is darting and moving, he's not going to be the same guy we saw early in the year. So I would uh, I would have pitching coach go down to the bullpen, slab a little extra pine tar on uh, Jose's right hand if needed, and figure out how to get more break on that breaking ball like in the first couple games.
2: Question number two follows a theme we've been doing throughout the show today. 1500 ESPN vent line, taking your favorite personalities or least favorite for a lot of people here at 1500 ESPN or shows and ripping them to shreds. <laughs> so let's look inside, boys. Let's look inside ourselves. Let's take away all the smarminess. I need serious answers. Your favorite and least favorite thing about the Mackie and Judd show.
1: So the least, my least favorite thing, the thunder was actually. I'll elaborate on it, but the thunder was stolen by one of the ones that came in on Twitter. So we'll start there. Okay, my, there's a lot. I I would say ninety percent. Like, there's a million things I love about. Like, I love when our show goes on tangents and off the rails, like it has today. Actually, I'll save the critique for. I'll just continue on this thread. I love shows like today where. Somebody will call in, or somebody will tweet something, and then it just leads to like a four-hour theme, and and it's like self-aware, and I love that. But the guy who sent in Judd's formula for winning an argument, which is if there's a disagreement, Judd will play the "You aren't listening to my point" <laughs> card as if we're kindergartners. It's like, no, no, we do hear your point, and oftentimes it's like if Dave and I both disagree it's not as much if you and I disagree it'll happen sometimes but if it's both me and Dave and you'll think or at least dig your heels in and say no you don't understand my point or you're not listening to my point it's like no we are <laughs> I couldn't we just possibly be wrong <laughs> so mm-hmm. you must not be hearing me right <laughs> mm-hmm. not that I don't do the same things just in a different way but that's but in a way I think that's charming too and I th- I kind of enjoy that sadistically when Judd gets to that level of an argument where it's like, "All right, <laughs> screw you guys, you're not listening to my point." <laughs> <laughs> all right? All right. So, yeah, and I could list a million other things. I, I think our show, I like when um I like when we get into an argument early in the show and then all of a sudden like it's a 50-50 split or whatever and people are tweeting in and calling in and it just and it carries through. I think those are fun. I feel like th- and it's never manufactured by the way. No, it's, it's actually, actually not never no, that's true that's been, uh, I, I feel like the thing that
0: I, I like about the show is actually a frustration sometimes, and that's although it's not huge, the uh, generational gap between us and between between me and Dave and Phil at sometimes it it's endearing, but it's sometimes like like we have different ways of arguing points and there's probably times that i do do this as well but i'll be saying something and then there'll be times where it's clear that, that you guys didn't hear me at all which which is why i get frustrated and say you didn't listen or is it that we just disagree <laughs> no 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 there's times i was your age too and there's, times and oh, there's here and comes. and there's times <laughs> this is another one and, right there, here. and there's times when when it, when at <laughs> your age if somebody is making a point you're thinking of your point next and so you don't hear hear the point That's a problem for lots of folks. But, and then the other thing that's absolutely true, and this has been the Patrick gripe for ages the show goes too long. The show, you're you're on to, I got out of the shower. I took a nap. I went and ate. Flew from Fort Myers. I mean, if if you're going to peel back the curtain entirely on this business, two hours is fine. I think three hours is probably perfect. Four hours to sit and listen to, Anybody talk or for you to sit in front of a microphone and talk is a long time. So so to hear Patrick's rants about it are funny. They're not entirely untrue. They're not entirely un- untrue. Uh, so I would say if we were 9 to noon, I think you got it perfect there. 9 to 1 works, but you're manufacturing a little bit sometimes, I think, between noon and 1. I've heard 9 to noon is really good. <laughs> really good. And how do you spell that? Is it 9... Two noon at hashtag faith. That's all I know. Uh, Tiger just lipped out a long, pretty
1: the Oh, But, here, but here's Phil uh, Mickelson just yep. sweating through here eight layers is. of dress shirts straight from Bible class. He's oh. About to double bogey if he misses this to get to no. a plus eight. No, no, he's he's a... gonna drain that bogey putt. Watch this. How one. much sweat Boom.
0: is how much sweat is just emanating right in that shirt right
1: now? That's a oh, clutch bogey
2: yeah.
0: putt there. Yeah. It looks Save so stupid, six. it looks so
1: dumb, and then he buttons it up all the way to the yes. top almost too. It's super weird. If you're just, if you're wondering what the hell we're talking about, Phil Mickelson the last two days has been wearing a white dress shirt, long sleeve in 86 degree temperatures at Sawgrass.
0: At least if you're gonna go for that look, like if you are convinced it's gotta ha- happen, put it on a skinny a skinny young
1: guy, right? Like yeah, it's like when there's a little like mushroom or, or muffin top kind of. Bulging out at the bottom of the shirt. Like Ro- like,
0: like Rory. <laughs> Rory, it might not look great, but it wouldn't look awful. It's
1: yeah. Genius. That's brilliant. Uh, does question three have enough ammo to go another inning here? We could do it right
2: now, actually. Okay. It's very easy, since one of the complaints about the show today that we've gotten from multiple callers is the fact <laughs> that Phil Mackey picks out our bumper music. At least that's what people think to his 12-year-old music tastes. <laughs> so simply... I've got all of our bumpers right here, gentlemen. There's a, there's a whole pile of them. I'm just going to play a few at random. Okay, You're going to have to give me your personal feelings about the bumper music that I play. Okay, Is it either A, make it stop, make it stop, oh God, make it stop, B, yeah, I can handle this, it's all right, or C, get that on
1: my iPod and do it now. Is there a D option for already on my iPod? <laughs> if I'll, you get, I'll, be on, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. Let's start with this okay. one. This is by Walk
2: the Moon. It is called One Foot.
1: See, I could groove to this on the elliptical. Or is B again? Yeah, it's all right.
2: Yeah, B. Don't right. hate it. Let's go with this one. This is Gavin James's "Hearts on Fire." D on the iPod. Oh yeah.
1: Twelve-year-old Judd D. Forty-eight-year-old
0: Judd A A A A A. Make it stop.
2: Okay. All right. How about this one from Moon Taxi? It is titled "Too High."
0: C. Can I just start, start to take the fifth during the <laughs> rest of the segment? No, please. Uh, B.
2: <laughs> oh, I'm actually surprised that wasn't an A. You can take too high, okay.
0: Yeah, it's not awful.
2: All right, how about this one? Let's go two more here. Uh, Psycho by Post Malone.
3: So, uh, this is on the
1: girlfriend's iPod, so it's a, technically it's a D as well. Oh A for me on that one. Yeah. I'm
0: I'm telling you. I'm You're <laughs> doing really well so far. You're doing nothing to discredit the guy that says you programmed this. I'm
2: just playing the songs that I'm playing? No, I'm not not you, Harrigan. I said Phil. All right, let's wrap this up with Fool by Fits in the Tantrums. All
1: right, I'm going to be honest. I, I feel like this is this is a B for me. This is a B for me. The other ones are C's or D's. Caesar D's. Not I, grades, you know but like either online or uh or I would definitely I'm
0: giving that one a C. I could see driving around Calhoun. Top down. Top down, one hand on the wheel. I can see
1: Judd, yeah. For With sure. that
0: song blasting. Yeah. Hat S- backwards. Stella riding co
2: pilot. Oh,
1: Stella would be right there. <laughs> Treat in mouth. Judd, do you do you have are you a windows down, like in the summer cranking music kind of a guy, or no? Like are there songs that you will crank? I don't envision you as like a top-down, no. going to put on the tank top.
0: <laughs> the tank top. I'm going to put on the Phil Mickelson outfit, let my gut hang out. I just no. can't see
1: that for Judd, I guess.
0: No, but I mean, I'll go, I'll crank songs. I'll crank songs. <laughs> crank I just jams. Yeah, oh, you, yeah, it's so cool. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, man. That's all I got for you. If
2: you think right now in I your got. head, top-down, cranking up the song, what's the first one that comes to your head? Honestly, I the said first... first one. You've gone
0: to
1: like 37. No, you're no, no, you trying, trying to select a song. Yeah, no, that I want to sound cool. Yeah.
0: Oh no, 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 no. Oh, no, I'm trying to think. No, I'm trying to think of because the I'll songs you, like, I
1: like anything by Huey Lewis, I feel like is fun to crank at stoplights.
0: <laughs> actually, I was going to if say this is it, I was going to say The Fun Years, Cindy Lauper.
1: Wow. Little Lopper. I, I love
0: Cindy Lopper. Cindy Lopper is massively a little, underrated. A little she bop. just Yeah, crank she it. Bop No, hit. don't sing it. <laughs> okay, Doogie's coming up I in 15 bop.
3: minutes. Mackie and Judd now continue. I oh, so y'all be more excited than this. On
1: 1500 ESPN. Here's how a Max Kepler home run sounds uh, on top of one of Judd's favorite artists. Guilty pleasures.
3: And this one is swung on and hit deep to right field. Cole Calhoun is back. He looks up, and it is gone. Max
1: Kepler, after taking a pitch off of his hand, just hit his fifth home run of the year, and that is going to tie this game up. you got to be kidding me. He bopped that one out of the ballpark. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> um, can we just do a quick, like a, just a brief little uh, players championship or the players <laughs> update here? Yeah, I I've got it got over the, to the desk. I got the Tiger Tracker Twitter feed in front of me, and uh he just can't get it going, man. Just can't get it going. Had a long birdie putt just a hole ago that lipped out. Yeah, it was a forty footer. Whew. He's at minus one right on the cut line. But it's possible that he could miss the cut, that Rory could miss the cut, Spieth, Mickelson, Spogit again. Alright, let's throw it to Dave Harrigan here. Yes, the let's players, go to The Players
2: Championship.
1: Leaderboard It's
2: uh, still the same at the top. Charles Schwartzel, uh, he's done for the day. Six under for the day, ten for the tournament. Tied with Patrick Cantlay, who is through 17 today. Chesson Hadley alone, second place. He is also through his second round at nine under par. Below him, you'll find Jason Day and Steve Stricker, now even at eight below par. And then a uh, group of four at seven under, featuring Matt Kuchar, Jimmy Walker, Bice, Bryson Dishambra of all and Zender Shuffle. My favorite name on tour, and I have no, no idea if idea I'm how saying it correctly I, or not. Probably not, but at, I
1: don't know how to correct it. Sergio's
2: you, so. at 6-under, along with John Rahm, oh. Billy Horschel,
0: Henrik Stenson, DJ, uh,
2: Webb Simpson.
0: This Very is, exciting. This movie. is not a field that's going to be uh, conducive to a, a lot of people getting a uh, free ticket to watch on Mom's Day on Sunday. Like You wouldn't try at this point, right? If Tiger makes the cut you might but this current field it's the on uh, sunday the,
1: i'd be like okay this is whatever one of the, well i mean it depends on how hard if you're a casual fan and all these guys right. are out i can see it like jason day is going to be in it but this is one of the rare golf tournaments where the course actually because of that 17th island green where the course makes it intriguing because these guys are going to come down on sunday and even if it's a bunch of no names which might make it even more fun because then there might be more pressure because they've never been there. Yeah. And you have to stick one somewhere on that Island green or close to the pin. But
0: you can't, but you can't convince the wife on Sunday. I know it's mother's day, honey, but can I watch the players? Cause the, of the Island green, like if it was tiger, you'd be like, honey, I'm sorry, but tigers. I mean, he's in You're concession. saying that
1: the wife would allow you to watch tiger, but not the Island green. I'm like, saying it's not even, line. I'm saying
0: it's not even worth the argument or it's not worth trying to make your case. But you'd win the argument if it were Tiger Woods. I think if you said Tiger, well, I think you could throw down the gauntlet to a certain degree. And say, honey, I got to watch this. But I mean, <laughs> really, you can't tell her. Tiger I just what? take the kids and do something for Mom's Day while I watch Horschel Henry. It's Billy Horschel. Oh, whatever the heck his name is. Hors- yeah, Horschel I'm gonna Henry. go watch. I'm gonna go watch Timmy Horschel Henry play golf. to be like, no, you're not.
1: But actually, like. Tiger Woods, you're going to be able to watch play 15 or 20 times. He's already played like eight times or whatever this year. Like, you only get to watch the Island Green maybe twice all year. I don't right? think
0: the Island Green's going to work
1: with her. I think she's
0: going to tell you, "No, we're going to we're going to Perkins for breakfast." Pile in the car, or wherever you go. That's okay because like, the
1: tournaments in the afternoon. Yeah, that's, so. that's that's totally good.
0: All right, you get my point. You're no, going to be out. No, you're gonna your be point
2: out. is so you,
0: weird. You guys aren't listening to me. <laughs> The wife will draw the
2: line at Dustin Johnson. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, she's going to be like, what? No, you're not going to do
1: that. Well, what are some of the... Are there things... I know that you'll be able to say, like, well, my job requires that I... Which is also BS. I mean, you can still do a talk show without, like, watching. In theory... Don't say that. You can set those parameters. She might but be listening. Don't say that. What are some things... Have you ever... Do you have any out. specific examples of, besides you skipping out on, like, anniversaries and picking your wife up from the airport to watch The Wild... Are there anything that you guys like? Big things breath. in sports that for sure you can say this takes precedent over like important family day or important. Oh yeah. Anniversary oh, I got a ton. I got a bunch of. Them. I feel like it's all of them for you. How Excellent. low does your list go? If it's a local
0: team and they are in a very big game, or okay, if it's very so rarely. It's st- or if, or if it's draft time, <laughs> like getaway day for the Twins on Thursday <laughs> afternoon, no, that does not qualify. That does not qualify. But I feel, I feel, if it's a playoff series, that yeah, it definitely does. If the Wild or Wolves are, are, are playing a playoff game, I'm sorry, but I gotta watch it. That was the it was a stroke of luck that this year that the 25th anniversary fell on a Tuesday when the Wild, I think, was done and the Wolves weren't playing until Wednesday. But if the wolves had played on Tuesday night, there would have been a dilemma. There would have been a there would have been a dilemma. There would have been a choice to make. Yeah,
2: and she had to get the Uber home from the
0: airport when the Wild were at home for the playoff well, game. Well, okay, right? she's coming. Okay, in my defense, she's coming back from a girls' trip to Florida. All right, I took her to the airport. I dropped her and off. Complained about it. I, well, I complained. That's a whole other story. <laughs> anyway, I took her to the airport early in that morning and dropped her off. And then that she came back the night of a Wild home game in the playoffs against the Jets. I was not going to leave that game.
1: I was not going to hurry myself. I had to watch the game, absorb the game, and then craft a story. Sometimes I, I think I'm the opposite in that Minnesota sports are such a buzzkill on a regular basis. I'm almost happy when something takes big. Like I have an excuse to not watch this carnage. I mean, that's, uh, that's the direction I've been leaning that's in with the, the twins lately. You and me. You're the ambulance chaser.
0: I am, I am, the, I am the sports coroner, baby. I got to be there for to <laughs> declare a time of death. I got to see how the patient dies. I, I got to poke it and prod it and then see what happens. Sports Corner. I like that nickname. That's me.
1: Uh, Doogie will have some inside information about our local sports teams. When we come back, it's the scoop. Phil Mackey.
2: The boy says some goofy stuff once in a while. Despite all his wonderful successes. (laughs)
1: Judd Zolgad. I love old guys that weren't hungers. Oh, my gosh. I don't want to hug you. (laughs) No, no. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. All right, we've got headphone crisis in here. We're trying to get
3: Doogie some working headphones so he can deliver his customary scoops to us it's like an ongoing bit i mean every time i enter this studio which is typically about 30 seconds before airtime it is impossible but here's what it is seriously there's a better chance i'll win the players championship as we're watching it right now i'm not even there there's a better chance i will win the players championship this weekend than find working headphones you know what it is i think it's the beer show I think Reavers has like nine people in here, and they're all like r- rustling around headphones. Well, sure, I'm blaming and Reavers for this. You know what? I mean, the show lends itself to this, but are mm-hmm. we sure they even do that show sober? I don't know. Oh, I think they do. So then, do you need imagine all the to... shenanigans in this studio with I, nine people that might not be sober. I are you good or not? Fine.
1: Are you good or not? I'm good. Okay, we're good. Yeah, I'm good. Okay, <laughs> cool. yeah. Dave's got headphones in there. Anyways, you can find Doogie's Scoop Podcast... Every week, sometimes multiple times a week, anywhere you would generally subscribe to a podcast, Apple Podcast, fifteen hundred ESPN. dot com, dot com. Uh, let's just start wolves, and then we'll we'll meander around different topics. Do you have any? Now that we're seeing, like Dwayne Casey got fired today, which means no coach should feel super safe about anything short of a championship. If you can, basically, his only crime in Toronto was not beating LeBron, which is like going to go down as every non-Spurs Warriors uh, fate in the LeBron era. So anyways, anything Wolves that you're hearing?
3: Well, I mean, it's a continuing theme. I mean, it's something we have talked about going back weeks, the uneasiness over there, the angst. We saw some stuff come to light earlier this week with Rick Brunson. Certainly those whispers were out there. And I apologize for not getting specific on Rick previously, but that wasn't shocking news. Yeah. You know, so that's on top of everything else. I'm telling you, all aspects of that organization, there's some backbiting. There's just I'm telling you, the best way for me to put it is uneasiness. And I'll remind people, on the surface, they jump up sixteen wins, they win forty seven games, the TV ratings go up approximately seventy seven percent. They have eighteen sellouts. Corporate money was up. 20 percent on the surface it seems like everything is fine but i'm just telling you everything is not fine it's just not where does
0: this uh, so does this go all the way up to uh, Glenn doogie where where does it sort of begin and where does it maybe end at
3: sure it absolutely goes all the way up to Glenn. i can tell you at least on two occasions during the regular season Glenn went to tibbs to pretty much figure out why he acts the way he does For lack of a better term, why is he buffoon? Especially on the sidelines. You know, in-game. The swear words with kids sitting courtside. You know, I mean, Glenn's sitting right there, so Glenn sees it all. I mean, Glenn hears secondhand stuff. To me, the question is, does the CEO, Ethan, who's got working knowledge of a lot of these issues, does he at any point go to Glenn and lay everything on the table? Maybe he has... Maybe he hasn't. I don't have that answer. But I'm just telling you, to suggest they are holding hands over there, celebrating the successful year that they just had, is not the case. Yeah. And I'll add this. I mean, because I'm dancing around. I'm talking a lot of general stuff. You want some specifics, so they let go Vince Lagars. I forget what Vince's title was. It wasn't from a lack of work ethic. I mean, the buzz is that Tibbs feels like, he should have the strongest relationship with Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, Vince was very close with Carl Anthony Towns. How about this, too, on Vince? Vince was told, do not interact with Jim Peterson. So Jim flies with the team. Jim is a team broadcaster. Wow. Jim is about the nicest human being on the planet. He's also great at his job. To tell your coaching staff, don't interact with Jim, is one of the most idiotic things I've ever heard.
1: Wow. So Tom Thibodeau is telling people not to interact with with Jim Peterson.
3: Yeah, I mean, yes, I mean Tibbs is aware. Tibbs is the boss. See, I mean, I don't know if it's coming directly from Tibbs or if it's coming from the mouth of Scott Layden, but there's no doubt in my mind that Tibbs is aware. You know what? Okay, and I mean, I have you are super plugged in, and I and I have no
1: reason to doubt any of this, and I don't. So I preface it by saying, you know, if if it's true. Then get the bleep out of here. If you're Tom Thibodeau and Scott Layden, and that's how you feel about, or either one of them, and that's how you feel about one of the most professional and objective and great local color commentators across all four major sports, that's I, Jim Peterson is nationally lauded for how great he is at his job. You go, you follow NBA Twitter, guys like Gerolibos Vulgaris, national people around the country, Brian Windhorst, rave about Jim Peterson. They should. He and is so that good. He is. And so if, you, if you're if you Scott Layden or Tom Thibodeau, and not only do you disagree with his commentary, but to the point where you would actively try and prevent other people in the organization from communicating with him, get out of here with that. And, well, that's, that's, and I that's know absurd. the general
3: manager went to Jim at one point. The reason why there's hatred is too strong. Dislike, however you want to term it, with Jim problem. is he's honest. Yep. It's insecurity. Is He's what it not is. always waving the pom poms. Yep. You know he says it like it is. So there is a thought from as high as it gets in that organization outside of Glenn that maybe Jim should be more positive. But yeah, I mean you're right, Phil. I don't want that as a viewer. Yeah. Teach me, educate me. Jim does that on a nightly basis. But yeah, I mean the idea that assistant coaches were told to not interact with Jim is as ludicrous. As it gets. So there is one specific example. If you're wondering, okay, Dukes, you keep throwing out all these general statements. There is one specific example of something that is just mind-boggling over there.
0: How is it going to sit with the fact that if if this is all true, if uh, LaGarza was removed because Tibbs feels that his relationship with Cat should be the strongest that a person has with Cat on the team. And uh, clearly what from what Krasinski wrote about the relationship between LaGarza and Cat, that was very tight and very close. Mm-hmm. And Johnny also wrote that Cat, uh, that it wasn't that he needs to be asked about this, but you would think that you would tell him, hey, we're thinking of, of this move and, and he was not. Where does that put things as far as your your young superstar and a coach stepping in and firing a guy who that's, that superstar liked and trusted?
3: There still is the bridge of the agency, Creative Arts Agency. They represent Carl Anthony Towns. They represent Tom Thibodeau. So a guy like Leon Rose can massage that relationship, if it even needs to be massaged. Also, if you're wondering about Kat's long-term status here, Name me the last player off a rookie contract to turn down a max offer. I'm just saying. You just don't do that. You know when you turn down the big money? Yeah. After that one extension. I'm saying, as far as Dwight Howard, any number of examples. So, Carl Anthony Towns will sign an extension.
0: I'm, I'm just trying to say, as far as making very important employees and or players sure as happy as possible yes without causing friction because because you got jealous that an assistant coach way below you might have had the best relationship with towns
3: I don't even know if it's jealousy I mean who knows I mean Tibbs is a wall I mean nobody knows him so I don't know I can't speak on Tibbs being jealous but it is the belief of others close to the situation that, and I didn't hear the word jealousy or jealous, but that Tibbs wants to have the closest relationship with the young star player. Yeah, that's just. But I'm that, just telling you, guys I, don't turn down max offers off their rookie contracts. That's just, I, I hate it when things stem from
1: insecurity. I, it, insecurity is the root of so many problems. And whether it's sports or anything, and it's just whether it, if if everything adds up the way that I think it does, Getting rid of coaches because you, don't, you you want to be closer to a player or or blackballing a great broadcaster because you feel like he might be too negative. All of that stems from insecurity, and that makes me really uncomfortable. That's fine.
3: That's fair. Mm-hmm. Now, I guess the flip side is think about where Tibbs just came from in Chicago. Foreman and Paxson in the front office. Open books for the most part, especially on background with a lot of members of the media. You know, so Tibbs saw that. Then you bring in Scott Layden as your GM. You bring in Brian Pauga from San Antonio as your personnel director, whatever his official title is. You think about the walls that are up in the San Antonio Spurs organization. So you combine Layden's background, and after he was burned by the media in New York, too. Mm -hmm. So Layden. He also made a bunch of bad moves in New York. So Then Tibbs. I mean, I just, I get why they have the wall up. Also, Tibbs won in Chicago, acting about the same way. But at least there was somebody above him to challenge him. I mean, that's the issue. I mean, outside of Glenn going to him, but he's got three years, $24 million left in his contract. Layden makes at least $2 million a year, if not $3 million a year. So are you willing to eat approximately $30 million right now if you let go Tibbs and Layden? I'm telling you, I told you this weeks ago. I'll continue to say it. I will be surprised. So you can make a case for letting them go, sure, but that's a lot of money. Do you think Glenn Taylor, do you think, okay, is it
1: 0% or something above 0% that now that Dwayne Casey's available, Glenn Taylor would
3: make a move on Dwayne Casey? I think there's some regret when they let go Dwayne. He's very nostalgic, Glenn Taylor. Yeah, but I would be surprised. I mean, you know, never say never, Yeah, but I don't think it's, you know, 30% or 25% or anything like that. You know, I mean, I hope Dwayne coaches again somewhere very, very soon. Now, Buttenholzer may end up being the favorite in Toronto. So, does Dwayne make some sense in Milwaukee? Way, I think is, is not going like, to go there and change like, that. Like, wasn't Buttenholzer the coach when they won
1: sixty games and also got beat by LeBron in Atlanta? Like, yes. what's the pattern here? You can't beat LeBron. Which, by the way, like no one expects you to really. Except the front office that fired
3: you. Well, I mean it's, it's just so it's weird. easier to change the coach, right? I mean exactly but don't change it. I mean, just keep building. Like well, until LeBron or, until LeBron's dead. Yeah, I mean, Toronto's right. got good right. young players. I mean, they're going down two paths right now. They can win right now, but they also have good youth. I mean, if Toronto wants to, instead of blowing up the coach, but that's too late, Casey fired today, but find a workable Kyle Lowry trade. Find a workable DeMar DeRozan trade. Well, hope hey, LeBron leaves. Circle. That's the key. Well, if LeBron leaves, guess what? You might win. If he leaves, he's going to Philly, right? I mean, there's no way LeBron's going west. He's too smart, right? He's staying in the east. Whether it's re-signing with the Cavs, and I don't think right now LeBron knows what he's going to do.
1: I could see him going to the Rockets. I could see him going to the Rockets. Chris Paul's one of his best friends. I don't think guys think like we think.
3: Maybe. I don't think 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 LeBron James
1: looks at the West and says, "Uh uh-uh. I think he looks at it and says, that's intriguing. Do you you think on the Lowry-DeRozan front, do you think the Timberwolves come into play there? Do you think they'll shop Andrew Wiggins?
3: Well, what I was getting at is Zach Lowe, who does a very popular NBA podcast, his new podcast that posted, I think, three days ago on ESPN.com, he threw out. So they were going over him and his partner were going over potential DeMar DeRozan landing spots. He tossed out verbatim, I can see Minnesota doing something crazy this summer. I just feel it. Now, it was him spitballing. This was not sourced. No, but and it's it was in the context it's of educated. DeRozan possible landing spots. He also noted, which is true, that DeRozan and Jimmy Butler would be a horrible match. Hmm. Now, I guess DeRozan is so good. And if you've already discovered that Wiggins maybe has hit his ceiling. I'm still a Wiggins apologist in many ways. I don't think he has hit a ceiling. He but hasn't you, hit a ceiling. Others, Corzo, Scott Korsanowski, think you need to move Wiggins at any cost, right? Just give him away, which I think is well, asinine. Well, that's Corzo. That's Corzo's that's, stance. But I'm, that's how I'm other not. people think. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, if you could move Wiggins for DeRozan, now I don't think Toronto would do that, But but if you could, don't you just do it and figure it out later? Like, if you have a chance to acquire a 29-year-old All-Star, don't you just do it? Then if DeRozan and Butler can't coexist... You know, look at it come the trade deadline or in a year. But I'm just telling you, I don't think Toronto would do DeRozan for Wiggins. But it was interesting that Zach Lowe, who has a ton of contacts, he might have been spitballing. But I promise you, there's no way Zach just randomly said that, that he has a feeling that something crazy could happen in Minnesota this summer. Wild will name Paul Fenton the national assistant GM there. GM
0: how soon do you think, Dukes? Monday. Now that the Preds are done, I mean, uh, there's is nothing it possible we way. get a
3: three o'clock Friday news dump? Ooh, that could be good. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think it's a matter Federal of when, yeah, not if. Point. But yeah, maybe it's Monday. But yes, all signs. Even though Craig Leopold interviewed what upwards of seven to eight to nine candidates, yeah. all signs point to Paul Fenton taking the job. He also wants the job. I know there was some, some confusion, or at least some people in Canada, some of the national media in Canada, wondering if Fenton would actually take this job. That he can wait. Maybe just wait it out. Be Nashville's future general manager. I am told Paul Fenton wants the wild job.
1: Okay. Um,
3: what uh, are there any? The Twins
1: are in an interesting spot, and in that they're going to have to let this thing play. Any any Twin steam or anything you're hearing on? Like, have they even Brian Dozier, for instance, is in a contract season? Is there anything new on the Brian Dozier front that you've heard, or is it just crickets and wait and see what happens? Yeah, I mean, episode? I haven't
3: heard anything. Now Dozier's agent is based in Southern California. They had the off day on Wednesday. Yeah. I don't know who's on the trip for the Twins. I don't know if it's Falvey, Levine, or Antney. If it's Antney, hard to have real hardcore negotiations. Not that Rob isn't involved in those negotiations. Sure. But yeah, I mean, typically those negotiations don't happen in season. They just don't. But it's worth, it's a good reminder. I should check on that. The draft is fast approaching. I'm actually going to tape a conversation with Sean Johnson, their director of scouting. I don't know what his official title is, but he's in charge of their draft room. I'm gonna to try to record a conversation with him later today. They have the twentieth pick. The draft is like three and a half weeks away. Yeah. I know they're looking at pitchers heavily, not a surprise, but at this point, they are leaning more pitcher, not position player with that first round pick. Interesting. Otherwise, you know, I told you last time I was in here, you know, being over there early last week, talking to Derek Falvey, others, that they foresaw some hiccups in April, just looking at the schedule. You know, and they knew that they would face a bunch of good pitchers, a bunch of good lineups. So the overall April record wasn't all that surprising. So clearly, you know, now you play the White Sox. Plus you had three games snowed out against the White Sox. There was a good chance they were going to win those three games or at least two of those three. So from an optic standpoint, the record would look a lot better this second if you added three wins to the win column. Yeah, for sure. All right. So they'll be all right. I mean, they'll be in the mix. But the American League, I'm telling you. I mean, watching the Yankees and Red yeah. Sox the last couple of days. Yeah, those teams are going away. I mean, they're, you figure those two add. teams make the, Central's the playoffs. Central's not good, but the rest of the league's very the good. The Angels so. are yeah. really good because they play great defense. You know, the Astros aren't going anywhere with Garrett Cole pitching the way he is than Verlander. So, I mean, your real path to the playoffs at this point, to me, is winning the Central. Yep. So, you know, I guess it'll be neck and neck with the Indians. But they still have, what, 52, 53 games left this year against... The Royals, the Tigers, and Correct. the White Sox. So the Twins are not going away. They'll be in this thing. Correct. Thank you, Doogie. All right, boys. Have stuff, good man? Weekend. Doogie
1: from the Scoop Podcast and Channel Five. Let's come back. Let's actually touch more on this Tom Thibodeau, Scott Laden, Jim Peterson stuff to wrap the show. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Uh, Mackie and Judd are back. One of the most absurd things you can do in sports media on 1500 espn
2: walk around lake minnetonka in support of finding answers to rare brain and spinal cord injuries head out to excelsior brewing saturday may 19th for the walk talk connect 5k benefiting courage kenny rehabilitation center start at the brewery walk the trails then end back at excelsior brewing for a post-race party complete with live music raffles and a Walk Talk Connect beer on tap crafted just for this event. For details and to register, head to
1: 1500ESPN.com, keyword events. I'm like legit mad after that last segment. Doogie was amazing, and that was great information, and he's... He, there's a lot of things he's hearing behind the scenes with the Timberwolves that like, you know, he can only say so many things that he can confirm on the air, but like where there's smoke, there's fire. And if it is indeed true that the Wolves power structure, Scott Layden, Tom Thibodeau have told assistant coaches or even have just had discussions among themselves, let alone tell assistant coaches that Jim Peterson's too negative. Don't talk to Jim Peterson. He's too negative. How obtuse do you have to be to think that Jim Peterson is anything other than a consummate professional objectively analyzing a basketball game? He's one of the best color commentators in the country.
0: This is why, though, the Fox Sports North analysts for for the most part, aside from Jim, say nothing. They've got I told you Well, I don't want to make this about Fox Sports North. No, like, no, but what I but what I'm saying is you would, I think you would be surprised at how normal it is for executives who run the operations department and for coaches to basically, if they find out that a broadcaster is not being completely positive and is actually articulating what the home team might be doing wrong... They get upset about it, which is ridiculous. I know like, it spend, is.
1: Just spend time making but they, but they your think, organization. But the
0: Timberwolves, the people that run the Timberwolves, probably think, "Well, Jim Pete should be have Timberwolves pom poms out." But he, but he does like he is he is a fan and he does root for their success. But he's trying to he, tell you. But I'm with you totally. What I'm saying is this is a common problem in sports where there is this perception by teams that you should just be all the time cheering for the, the team instead of saying, you know what? I'm pulling for the team. I'm a fan, but if they do something wrong, Jim Pete is great, not because he criticizes, but because he constructively tells you what the Timberwolves
1: are doing. It, it, it's so it, it, to patronize fans by, yes. by doing anything else. And I get that if you're a, if you're a general manager or you're in charge of like, you want the image of the organization to be positive. I understand that, but, but you're better off connecting with your audience in an honest way than you are, somehow not point like lying to the audience and pointing out if you're doing a broadcast and you're just brainwashed telling your audience that Andrew Wiggins is amazing and I can't believe he's not an all-star. Yeah. Jim Pete goes on the air and says correctly he doesn't take good shots. He needs to work on his three-point shooting. By, he olayed on defense. And by the way, he played and coached.
0: So he's not making this up. It's not some, well, I think I saw this. He knows exactly what he's yeah. telling you. What makes him so good is he constructively tells you what someone is doing wrong and how they can improve their game and their teams to get upset about that, which makes no sense. What I, what I don't like here is every story that we hear about the wolves and, and the dissension comes off to me as sort of thinking that, that bullying your way through Tibbs, bull in the China shop, right? Is going to work. That doesn't work. It's a ridiculous way to think that you can be successful by doing that.
1: Yeah, I just have a bad feeling about this whole thing. That's what thing. I told you this, this week, just... though.
0: I've got a weird... The more people... Because Krasinski, when, when he joined us a couple days ago, he didn't go into detail, but he said sort of so, some of the same, same things in generalities that Doogie did. It leaves me with this
1: very weird feeling that it's just going to blow up. Yeah, it just... I don't know, man. Like... This whole it sucks because I love watching Jimmy Butler. I think Jimmy, but I also think that Jimmy Butler is empowered in this in this sort of non productive way. I mean, it it all feels very fragmented, and it's it's the same thing we observed in the regular season. And I think the more and more we hear about the behind the scenes stuff, the more it makes sense that it's just a fragmented collection of superstars all carrying their own stardom to forty seven wins. It's not a cohesive unit elevating each other and it feels like there's there's strife in the front office there's strife behind the scenes there's strife on the roster and if the power it's up to the leaders to make sure that you iron that that stuff out
0: and if the actual power structure was was running in the way that one would hope butler would be fine jimmy butler's a player so you could go to Jimmy and you could say, Jimmy, tone it down. Or you could say, this is great, Jimmy. You're, you're you and just be you. Hmm. But the problem is when it feels like Jimmy Butler and Tibbs are are almost their own type of team, it's not
1: good. But just but- like to, to be 100% clear on what I took away from Doogie's segment, the fact that you have some combination of Tom Thibodeau and Scott Layden apparently upset about Jim Peterson is a level of insecurity it's it's such a red flag for the way they go about, and it's all, their leadership. And it's also sweating things they should
0: not be sweating. That's paying attention to things that don't matter. Yep.
1: Well, we're back on Monday.
0: A waste so of energy.
1: We will uh, we'll catch you guys on Monday. You can catch Judd tomorrow from ten to noon on Saturday Sports Talk. You can find all of our on demand stuff anywhere you would subscribe to podcasts. Just find the Mackie and Judd Show. Have a good weekend.